Well, good morning, church family, whether live or online, it is good to see you and I appreciate the opportunity to share around God's word today. Um, I am glad that you are joining us and I don't know what I'm coming through like on the uh, screen at your place. I don't know if you're still watching in standard definition console TV or if you're in like ultra high def 4D, you know, that kind of thing. If it's probably like that, I want to just tell you that if you look real close on my shirt, I don't want to make it about me, but if you look real close on my shirt, I know some of you guys think that just because I live in a house full of women that I might have glitter all over my shirt. I don't want this to be a distraction for you for the rest of the service. Like somebody should have told him to wipe his shirt off. Well, these things don't come off and no, they're not glitter. Okay. So I get to keep my man card, but there are little flecks of white in my shirt. And if it's 4d for you at home, you'll probably see that, but I don't want you to be distracted and miss what I'm saying today about what else distractions. As a matter of fact, I hope that you're at home And I hope that you're able to interact online, uh, share some of the things that are speaking to you, your amens at whatever we're saying that really kind of speaks in your own wheelhouse, really makes a a better experience for you, a better experience for other people and uh, folks that are here today. Uh, you guys have to make up for all of the empty seats that we have, all those folks at home online today. You guys have to be loud enough for me to be able to hear you. So y'all want to practice an amen for us real quick on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Man, that's awesome. All right. That's the best amen I've gotten in like, I don't know, since coronavirus. So anyway, thank you guys so much. And uh, if you are uh, moved today with some of the things that we're talking about and sharing, I definitely want you to be involved today by sharing an amen. And so today, as we talk a little bit about changing the world and changing times, I've talked a lot over the last few weeks about changing your world, whether it's your own immediate area that you are involved in, your own uh, personal life, your own neighbors, your spouse, you know, your own work situation. All of those things is what we've been talking about, changing that world. But today, I want to do something a little different and kind of come at it from the second line up, so to speak. Talk about the changing times that we're facing, because here's the truth. As a matter of fact, I know that you don't even have to, you know, kind of really think too much about how fast the world feels like it's changing. As a matter of fact, I've spoken to some of you, I've texted you or a phone call, and you have mentioned to me how different this world feels, right? I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You and I, sometimes we sign off and we say stuff like, well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, I hope, or who knows what the next few weeks hold, or it sure is a crazy world that we're living in. I can't believe how strange these times are. There's no doubt that that's happening and probably mainly because of coronavirus, but let's be very clear. There are a ton of things going on in our world, not just the coronavirus, but also one of the things that's happening is is that there are literally a lot of statues. I started to throw out a number. I started to say literally tons, and I guess literally tons of statues coming down is a true statement, right? So literally tons of statues are coming down, uh, and this particular one is from Bristol, Connecticut, um, and that is actually a, 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 a statue that was put up, of all things, of a slave trader. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but that particular uh, statue that's coming down was of a slave trader uh, from Bristol, Connecticut. And I'm not here to talk about these things being um, right or wrong. I know that everybody has their opinions, and probably there's shades of gray in every piece of this debate. But here is what I would say to you. One of the things that I would make sure and emphasize today as we talk about our changing world is the fact that there literally have been statues, some of those standing for centuries, that are no longer standing. So whatever the world was by these symbolic statues, those things are changing literally right before our eyes. I probably used up my equivalent of literallys for the entire message, so if y'all catch me saying literally again, put it in the chat, tell me that I'm, you know, literally saying it too much, right? So there you go, all right? Very good. Here's what I would say. The statues being torn down, the coronavirus, all of this stuff is happening, and it makes us feel like our world is shifting all around us. But here is what I want to share with you. Today, as we focus on the things that we just learned from God's Word that Eric spoke about, 
Here is our something to learn today, and it is just this. Paul wrote prison epistles. That, that word epistles is a Greek word for letters. It's just like writing a letter to your son or daughter, friends, uh, former um, church, or wherever it might be. He wrote these prison letters Uh, Obviously, while he was in prison, and he did so to encourage the saints at the church of Ephesus. And as a matter of fact, there are four different letters. One Ephesians, one Philippians, one Colossians, and then the personal letter to the man Philemon. Uh, And this is exactly something that we should learn from. Because even though Paul is in circumstances that feel like everything is pushing him into a small and narrow box... He is not chained. According to him, as he writes, he says, but the word of God is not chained, even though I am. And so as he speaks about this, we grasp and understand that God is still at work, even when it seems like everything is shaking and changing around us. And so that is where we find our security. But I want to talk a little bit about how we as Christians, even though we have a secure relationship with God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, If we know him as personal savior, that should be our anchor. But we also do a lot of things that sabotage ourselves in this area and vein. And as strange as it sounds that Paul, the one imprisoned, is writing to encourage those who are free, I am here to remind you that we have a freedom in Christ that we do not embrace because we have put things on ourselves that are chains that we do not need. And so as we talk about our changing world, let's not forget that many of the things that we're going to talk about today are self-inflicted. They're things that we have chosen for ourselves, and yet they are chains that keep us bound. And so as we talk today about changing times that we're living in, let's remember what is going on. Here are some of the reasons that we can feel overwhelmed. The very first one is very simple. It's an explosion of knowledge. Now, this may make sense to you, maybe it doesn't. There have been people that have been speaking about the knowledge base of humankind doubling. And as a matter of fact, they have said, uh, it's on this next slide, that until the year 1900, the knowledge base of humankind was said to have doubled every 100 years. Today, that knowledge base doubles every 13 months If it feels like our world is overwhelming, it's because guess what? It's overwhelming. This is just how we are living today. And and I mean, think about this for a second. Some of you ladies know that it used to be days and weeks that you stayed in the hospital and stayed in bed after you had a child. And now what do they do? They don't even let you lay in bed for 12 hours, ladies. Can I get an amen, right? They want you up. They want you moving. I've seen people who've had incredibly invasive surgeries, whether it's heart surgeries, opening up their bodies, their abdomens, and then I go to visit them and they're up and walking around. They've figured out a lot of things in medicine and they tell us that medicine and And the knowledge base there doubles less than every two years. And you probably have seen that if you really never have thought about it. Just think about it. But these are the things that we see. And, and I mean, hey, we know this. Like, I, I left my phone on my, uh, on my chair right there, over there. But you know, the, the camera gets better every other time they release the, the brand new iPhone or the brand new uh, Samsung or whatever. They're constantly improving. And it is amazing how technology is just getting better and better. And it's happening quicker and quicker. As a matter of fact, just as a funny aside... There was a man named Charles Holland Duell. He was the patent officer and the chief patent officer in the year of uh, 1899. And here's what he said. Everything that can be invented has already been invented. This is the day, you know, that he spoke about just four years before Orville and Wilbur Wright, uh, you know, had their little thing out at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, right? And so it just reminds you that every time we think the world is finally going to start slowing down, it doesn't. 
This world is moving at an incredible pace. And interestingly, in the book of Daniel, it talks about how knowledge will increase in the last days. And I think it's here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. And from the NASB, it says, and knowledge will increase. What an interesting thing to say. And yet, could we put a better tag on our world than knowledge increasing overwhelmingly? It's incredible. As a matter of fact, let's just think about this. My, my wife uh, is the librarian over at Bowie Middle School. And one of the really cool things about living here in Houston is, is that she has actually invited a man who was one of the uh, original people uh, putting men into space and how they made calculations literally on notebook paper to get that, uh, that um, air and, and spacecraft back into orbit and back to the United States. Uh, it is incredible to know. And here's just a perfect example. Example here, your mobile phone versus Apollo 11's guidance computer, to break it all down so you can understand, the iPhone that you and I have in our pockets is actually about 100,000 times more powerful than the thing that they got and guided the Apollo 11 to the face of the moon and back. It's hard for me to grasp, but that is true. At least that's what the scientists tell us. And so it's incredibly easy to be overwhelmed by this world. You can also be overwhelmed in this way, the constant access. Now, can I get an amen on this? I mean, it is convenient, but it is also hard, amen, when you've got constant access to your boss and your boss to you. Uh, you've got your home computer. It can get into your work computer, or maybe you carry your work laptop home. And the truth of the matter is, is that it is hard sometimes to feel like you can ever really, truly get away because you can always be reached by text. You can always be reached by email. You can always be reached in some sort of way and probably have access to get in to your stuff so you are never truly unplugged. Can I get an amen on that, right? It feels like that sometimes. You're never really unplugged. You're never really at a place where time is totally on your own. I'm not saying that you have to, but it sure would be nice if you wanted to, but it's almost becoming absolutely obsolete. And then we also know constant access to social media. And look, hey, we all know, this, let's be honest on this, okay? There are people that you are friends with on Facebook that you are not actually friends with. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, you know you're supposed to be friends with them and you can't unfriend them. And so you still see their posts and you see what's going on in their life. And maybe those things might find you at a time where you're having a hard time in your life and they're at the top of the mountain and you're in the middle of the valley. And it can be incredibly difficult to see other people's highlight reel knowing your real Reality is not something that reflects in the same way. And sometimes social media can feel like a blessing, but I know that a lot of times social media can be an absolute curse. Well, here's what we know. There is a, work, a book called Deep Work by a man named Cal Newport, and it is a really interesting thing. And I want to just talk a little bit, and I want to just take a pause. I'm going to slow down for just a quick second and tell you I am not trying to be Mr. Almost 50 years old and telling all of the young people what the problem is because that's not at all how I feel. What I believe is happening in our world as, as it changes and shifts, we go along with it without grasping and understanding that. And I'm going to be honest with you. This happens to me too. Because I know some of you know exactly what it's like to be an old guy like me or an old gal, and you have a hard time going to sleep. And so what do you do? You lay in bed with your phone, you know, and you just sit there and you do your thing on your phone. Or if you're like me, I listen to podcasts sometimes to put me to sleep or a, a, an audio book or something to put me asleep. And so the truth is, is that sometimes those times that I used to have quiet and a connection to God have been eliminated and filled with noise that doesn't really value, uh, place the high value on God's time with me and vice versa that I should have. And so I'm here with you. We're having a discussion about things that we both share as a challenge. This is not a you're doing wrong and I've got it figured out. This is something that we all can identify with. Amen. I mean, isn't this true? We've all struggled with finding that balance. 
Hal Newport's book, uh, book, Deep Work, he has a quote in that, and it's right up here on the screen. What we choose to focus on and what we choose to ignore plays in defining the quality of our life. And it is so important and so necessary that we understand if we can't get to it all, if we cannot get to it all, we had better choose wisely what we choose to get to. Now, one of the jokes that I've heard, I don't know if you've heard this joke or not, but uh, I've heard somebody say, uh, as the coronavirus had been set in for about five weeks or so, they're like, hey, good news, I finished Netflix, you know, I got all the way to the end, I've seen it all, and maybe you felt like that, you've seen it all. Well, here's what I know, you can't get to it all, there's still Amazon Prime and Hulu and there's still all the other brand new services that are trying to Disney Plus. By the way, I, I backtracked and got Hamilton in in my uh, last week or so, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, that stuff is all out there and it can distract you. It is right there at your fingertips no matter what. But here is what we do realize and grasp. We can't get to it all, so we'd better choose wisely. Cal Newport also wrote another book. It's called Digital Minimalist, and this is what it looks like. It's also got a different cover, but you can definitely check this out if you're interested. And he had a chance to visit about this book on a podcast, and I would just encourage you. I, I haven't heard this particular one. I've heard Cal Newport on other podcasts. By the way, Cal Newport is the guy on the right, and Lewis Howes is the guy on the left. But what I want to do is I want to share a little bit about some of the things that they talk about in this podcast. And I want to be very clear about something. Uh, I, like I said, I haven't listened to this, but this is called The Power of a Digital Detox. You can find it online. But listen to this. Here are some of the questions that they answer and ask. He asks, what do you recommend for people who are constantly connected to technology? Or what is the void that we are trying to fill with social media? What is more addictive, social media or smoking? And how can you train your children to work at different things? And in the episode, Cal Newport not only addresses those questions, but he also talks about why you and I need analog hobbies. That means something without a wire to it. Uh, why anxiety is rising in our younger generations. And then the reason that Cal recommends 30 days away from technology altogether. He calls it a digital detox. Now, you may be thinking, that's great because Cal Newport is obviously just some Joe Schmuck from, you know, the community college teaching ancient philosophies and basket weaving, right? Like he has no idea what it's like to be living in a connected world. Hold on just a second. Cal Newport is actually computer science professor at Georgetown University. In addition to academic research, he writes about the intersection of technology and society, and he's particularly interested in how that new technology impacts our ability to do productive and satisfying things in our life. And here's what he says. I recommend building fences around our phones so that we're not using them mindlessly every single moment of the day. It's a very interesting thought and it's something that you and I probably need to give more thought to because we can become very connected to our devices and they can run us the other, rather than the other way around. One other thing that you can do that makes you feel overwhelmed, and this is the most important one, a shrinking of the inner life. And here's what I mean. This is exactly what Paul is saying. And as he speaks to these Ephesian believers, these people in the world of Ephesus, it is so interesting how modern it feels that we need also to be sustained and grow our inner life. And let me just be very clear about something. This is your big idea for today. Your inner life builds, sustains, or erodes what you experience in real life. And the kids these days are calling it IRL, in real life, okay? So here's the truth. Your inner life, your inner dialogue, the things that you think about, do, experience, inside but not outside are things that will either build you up, sustain you, or erode you 
in your life. And you may be somebody who says, I don't know if I believe that, Randy. I don't know if I feel that way. Maybe you're speaking a little bit too much. You're giving it a little too much credit. Here's what I would ask you. If you are a father, what would you prefer your child to be saying constantly, constantly about you as a father? My dad is the best. Or my dad is really good. Or my dad is an absolute jerk that I can't stand to be around. Now, I don't know if I knew that my children were saying that, Tori, don't say a word. I see you back there trying to get my attention. I'm not looking, all right? Here is the truth. If I knew for sure that was what my child thought about me, I'd want to intervene and I'd want to cut that off at the pass. Why? I don't want what's going on in here to poison what's happening right here that eventually comes out in real life. I don't want my wife to say, my husband is an absolute joke of a man constantly. Or I don't want her to say, you know, my husband, he's pretty good. I want her to say, my husband is the best. I need to buy him a t-shirt that says Mr. Stud and then has a picture of a muffin right here. Don't say anything about, I already have my own muffin top. Don't you dare say anything about my own muffin top. So here's the thing. What do you want? Do you want the inner life to constantly be tearing you down or sustaining or building you? Here as we look, it's, it's just so clear that this is what we desire. And Paul even writes about it to the Corinthian believers. It's not just an Ephesus thing, but to the believers in Corinth. He says, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed. What? Say it with me together. Day by day. In other words, each and every day we can be sustained in our inward person. And then he goes on and he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is what we're trying to convey in the big idea. It will build you, it will sustain you, or it will erode you, but your inner life always works its way out. And so if you do not have that inner life to sustain you, when everything in your world is being shaken, then it's going to feel like you've got nothing to lean back on or to, to gain strength from. But if you have an inner life that sustains you, the outward that is wasting away is being renewed with the inward day by day. Don't miss that. It is so important. I want us to go back and look at what is important for us to grasp from Ephesians chapter 3 that we just read, uh, that Eric just read to us. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3. This is the first thing that I want you to notice. God places greater value on the inner life. This is what Paul says. I'm praying that God will give you his glorious riches and strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may grasp all of the width and height and depth of the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now listen very closely to me and understand Love surpasses knowledge. In the book of Corinthians, when he writes the love chapter, what does he say? He says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And there is a huge difference in your life. Now, let me be very clear. We already said this. If you can't know it all, you sure don't want to be a know-it-all, right? Amen? So here is the truth. You might not ever be able to keep up with the way that things are, you know, duplicating and doubling in our knowledge. But here's what you can do. You can grow daily in love. You can grow on the inside where people say, you know what? I can tell there's something deeper about that man or that woman, that teenager. And teenagers, listen, if you are watching right now, I want to tell you something 
you also are known as somebody who has more going on than just what appears on the surface or not. It's not just an adult thing. People can grasp if you have more happening inside than what is appearing on the outside, and it matters. And so here's what we do know. We do know that the things that we think about, the way that we grow on the inside eventually works its way out. And Abraham Lincoln had a great quote. Here's what he said. He said, if I have six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four of that sharpening my axe. And here's what I would say to you. If you are a person who is a worker in today's really, really uncertain economy, here's what I would share with you. Whatever you do, I know that we can't know what will and won't happen. I know that we can't always affect what is going on as our world closes in and crashes in on us. Jobs are lost not because of lack of ability, but just because there's not the same marketplace as it was. I mean, we could go on and on and list all of the different industry categories that have been affected by our changing world. Here's what I would say to you. If you are a person who is going through that change or dealing with that fear, become a person who's bigger on the inside than on the outside because I promise you, you will eventually get that opportunity again. And when that comes, make the most of it and be ready to make the most of it by growing the inner which always comes out. So very quickly, as we continue to look on, I, I want to share with you from uh, uh, the man after God's own heart from 1 Samuel chapter 30. The story is told of David and his mighty men dealing with a huge problem where their wives and children had literally been taken off as prisoners uh, in, a, in a war situation. And here's what we see from 1 Samuel chapter 3. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. These were his best friends, his best friends that had left their lives so they would follow him and be his warriors. But right now, in this moment, they are talking of stoning David. Each one was incredibly bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But what? But David found strength in the Lord his God. Here's what we know. There is strength to be found in the Lord our God at all times. Very quickly, let's look at this second part of Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, as you look here on uh, this second part, we see how important it is to know God's love and acceptance. Notice what Paul is writing to the Ephesians. He's saying, you're going you're gonna to be built and rooted and established in love and that you're going to have power in that love. And then it goes on down that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, if you don't grasp how important you are to God, then you are desperately going to be looking for somebody else to tell you how important you are how much you are loved, how much you are appreciated. And that's why so many of us are desperate to be pleasing to other people or be compliant to other people or we accept less than we should for ourselves because we just want to fit in and just want to be accepted. But the truth of the matter is, is that the only thing that actually speaks to you all the way down in here is the, the one who created you saying, I love you, and there's nothing that you do that changes that. If you hear that and you begin to focus on that and listen to that voice that is still and small and so often can get overwhelmed with the things that we put in our own ears, in our own eyes, and our own constant intake of stuff, and buried underneath that, that voice is trying to tell you that you matter, not because of what you do, but because of who you are and how you are loved by the one who created you. And for most of us, if you want to take a thing away today, you just know this. I mean, you don't even know to argue this because you are aware of it. We've heard it a lot, but this is our truth. We have become human doings rather than human beings. This is true. And don't let it happen to you and to me. And Eckhart Tolle, who was a, a man who was a philosopher, he had this great quote that's up here on the screen. You find peace not by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. 
It begins inside, and it begins with God's love for you and for me. Let's keep moving here. Let's talk about this third thing that we grasp and get from Ephesians chapter 3 that we've already read. God's power on our behalf is there. Now, look and see if you're kind of still following along. You can see in your scriptures that this is kind of like a spontaneous praise. We say, he says, I want you to be renewed on the inside. I also want you to grasp and understand that you are loved because of who God is in your life. But then he says, just kind of this spontaneous praise to God. He says, now to God or him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. And according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So here's what we know. We have a promise that the one who loves us, that good, good father that we sang about, is at work in our lives with his power, not because of us being good, but because of him being good. And there is a huge difference. I know, I know that's important for me. I need to know that God is good because he's good, not because I've been good, because sometimes I'm not good, right? I mean, don't, don't put that in the chat. Don't say amen to that, like for me or for yourself. Just don't. Do yourself a favor. Don't amen that. You're never going to hear me saying that, but this time I am. Just Understand that there are times where we're going to come up short in the goodness department, but it does not change God's goodness to and towards us. He is able to do more than all we can ask or imagine. And I just want to speak something to you. I don't want to make light at all of some of the things that you guys are facing, but I'm here to tell you that God is still at work. And may his glory and peace and his riches flow abundantly towards us all, all of us who have been his children and follow him. And may all of those things that you fear, may they all take a place where you can just rest and know that he who is able to do immeasurably and above all that we can ask or think is still at work in your life and at mine. So here's what we see. There are some principles that we can pursue, and I want to share three of them with you very quickly. Here's principles to pursue. Wisdom is greater than knowledge. Now, don't freak out about, oh, wisdom, oh, wisdom, oh. No, no, don't make wisdom out to be some super spiritual thing that you can never attain. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. That's it. That's all. But, you know, have you met people who has tons and tons of book learning, and yet to be around them, it is just almost like fingernails on a chalkboard because they just don't know how to put in to work that incredible intellect that God gave them, you know, but then you've been around some people who may not have any degree hanging on the wall, but they are absolutely the kind of person that you learn something every time when you're around them. Why? Because they may not have knowledge. They have tons of wisdom. And so as we look at this, here's what we know. We have already decided we can't keep up with the knowledge as it doubles and doubles and doubles at a rate of 13 or a time, one time every 13 months. If you can't keep up with knowledge, you had best decide that you will grow in wisdom instead. So wisdom is greater than knowledge. Don't miss this. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Let's go to this next slide here. The second thing is uh, the principle to pursue is intentional is greater than impulse. Intentional is greater than impulse. Here's what I mean by that. If something is incredibly important to you, you're going to put it on your calendar. You're going to put it in the, in the things that you're going to do. You're going to make sure that everybody knows that's happening. You're going to clear your schedule so you've got time to do these things. And for most of us, what we have decided is these things that are touchy-feely, that we hope that happen in our lives and in our world, we have not gotten to the place where we say, I'm not going to wait for the impulse. I'm going to make it intentional. And so here's what I would recommend to you. Make those things that you want most from your life to be things that you've already put some intentional practice in that you get there. Because intentional is always better than an impulse. And I would want to just say this, and teenagers, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not trying to be your enemy. I promise I'm not. 
But here's what I have. I've always said it every single time we talked about changing our world. I've shown this family dinner picture. It's just a, a way of getting around the table and spending time around the table. And here's what we had as a rule at our house. The truth is, is that we said, you can come to the table and you can eat. And we're all going to do that. Even if you're not hungry, you're coming to the table to sit with us. And amazingly, they usually got hungry. But one of the things that they did not get to do, and I didn't get to do it, and Shelly didn't get to do it, we do not bring our phones to the table with us. Why? Because that is something that I want to interact with my kids. And you know what? The truth is, is all of my kids are now gone and grown. Some, you know, come back at times between their schedules, but they are not always with me. And I value and love the relationship that I have with them that was basically built around that family dinner table. And if you say you don't have time, I'm telling you, get intentional about making time. And a stated rule in before, before the fact is actually going to be your friend. In other words... We just told them, hey, hey, you don't bring your phones. This is the stated rule. The rule is, hey, this is what's going on. And then you explain it. You say, well, here's why. Because those phones distract from me knowing you and you knowing me. And so because of that, phones are not allowed here at the dinner table. We'll take that 15 or 20 minutes. We'll eat together. And then you can go back to your phones, go back to whatever else you're doing. But you intentionally decide these things. You don't just wait for the impulse to strike you. Hey, tonight would be a good night for a family dinner. No, no. Get intentional. And very quickly, here's what I would say. The third principle to pursue is this. Being fully present is greater than being half engaged. <laughs> being fully present is better than being half engaged. Now, here's what I would say. For most of us... We are going to get some sort of badge, some sort of alert, some sort of little circle on your app that says you've got some sort of message or whatever it might be. And those things, you can feel them in your pocket or you can hear them in your ear, you know, the, or the ping, you know, whatever it is. And there is, you need to know this, there is a little hit of adrenaline that comes along with some sort of interaction. But here is something that you need to know. This is so important for us to know. The truth of the matter is, is that those things are not what we're hoping for. As a matter of fact, going back to Cal Newport and that podcast that I recommended, here's what he says. He says, technology is a lot like processed food. <laughs> we want more and more and more of it, the more and more and more we consume of it. But unfortunately, we will never be satisfied. It is so important for us to grasp and understand that the more that we consume of this constant distraction, the shallower and shallower we grow and the more and more we need to give that hit of happiness that God is supposed to be the source of, that human beings should be the source of rather than human doings. It is so important that we grasp that we begin to declutter, not by going into a room with boxes and storage bins. We begin to declutter here in our minds where we say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to fill every single space with some sort of meme or some sort of video or some sort of social media or some sort of Netflix or streaming service or some sort of music or some. I mean, just allow there to be silence. And isn't it interesting that in God's word, he says, be still and know that I am God. I don't know if it just totally means only to be still, slow down, and then know, it's possible in my mind that I believe that maybe what God is revealing to us is until we be still, we will forget that he is God. And so don't let that happen to you. Very quickly, let's be very clear about something. I, I shared this with you, and it's a book that I've gotten on Audible. I found it really interesting, and I think Audible is a great way to use some of that mental energy. But there is a seven miracles uh, that saved America, why they matter, and why we should have hope for our world and our nation. It's really an interesting book, and it is available. I'm not all the way through it, but the first few chapters have been very interesting. But one of the things that was so powerful... 
(laughs) so powerful was it talked about the population in the year 1776. If you're not from here, if you're not from the United States originally, 1776 is when we became a nation on our own and when we had the Declaration of Independence. There literally was a population of 2.5 million people in the United States in the year 1776. Today, there is a population of over 330 million people. But I put the names George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I told you I just saw Hamilton, right? So all four of these guys, we can't find one person in our 330 million that have the character qualities of these men. I mean, think about George Washington who literally said, I will not be king, I will be president, and then I will walk away after two terms of four years. They literally wanted him to be uh, the king. He said, no, 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 I am walking away and I am done. The republic needs someone else to lead it and it's not going to be me. I mean, can you imagine any of our politicians walking away from any benefit these days? Uh, No, I think not, right? And then you think about Benjamin Franklin and all that he shared and all that he brought into the world and inventions. Thomas Jefferson, who literally penned the Constitution that ruled less than 3 million and now basically the same document rules over 330 million and is a beacon of hope for all kinds of people all over the world. And Alexander Hamilton, man, go check out the... Can check out the musical, right? I don't want to, you know, my name is Alexander Hamilton. Anybody? All right, all right, one or two. Okay, all right. Some of you at home, I know you're talking about it, right? Yeah, that, ah, all right, okay, very good. Yes, so back to preaching. <laughs> Here is our question that we have to ask before we talk about how to apply. Here is this question. How present are you? How present are you in your interaction with your spouse or with your kids or with your family or extended family? How present are you in your interactions with your friends? Because the truth of the matter is, is that what you are conveying to people is, is that what I have going on here in the palm of my hand or the buzz that I feel on my pocket or the bing I hear or the badge that I see on my computer is more important than us having a connection. And so we've got to be very, very careful that we have technology as an amazing and powerful tool, but that you don't become the tool that is being run by its technology. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I just said you might be a tool if you're not careful, all right? Here's the truth. For all of us, it is an awesome tool and a terrible master to have technology in that way. So you cannot get it twisted. If you do, you're in for a world of hurt and emptiness that God says, I want to save you from that. I want to change you on the inside. Here's how you apply that. This is how you apply. Here's where I need to change the most. You put a name on it. That means, hey, it's with my daughter. Hey, it's with my son. Hey, it's with my wife. Hey, it's with my, my husband. Hey, it's with my parent, whoever it might be, my friend, This is the name that you put on it and you put an action to it. Hey, I need to spend time on the phone with this person this week. Or I need to make a connection. Or I need to each and every week make sure that I remind my wife or my husband that I love them and that I care about them and that I'm thankful that God brought them in. I need to know that my daughter understands, my son understands that they are a gift from God in my eyes. There's no hate or animosity. There's nothing but love here in this heart for them. Like that's how you get intentional. You put a name on it and you put an action to it and you apply this message because these things are important. And maybe it's wisdom that you need rather than knowledge. Maybe it's being intentional instead of waiting for an impulse. Maybe it's being fully present. One of these areas is probably where God is speaking to you and to me as our world changes around us. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, of course, Randy, this is great. You know, you're a guy who's all about, you know, the, the Bible and the ancient scriptures and all that stuff. You know, you want to talk about putting Jesus at the center of your life. Of course, that makes sense. Well, here's what I want you to make sure and understand. This is not just something that a pastor wants to talk about and see you do because you're a Christian. This is something that the most important minds in history have put at the top of their priority list. I want to show you a picture of a guy and see if you know who I'm talking about. How many of you know who that guy is? Of course you know who that guy is, right? I mean, probably a lot of us have some sort of device that 
runs his program. He's a multi-billionaire. It's Bill Gates, the founder and the creator of Microsoft and Microsoft Windows and on and on down the line. But probably what you do not know about him is this. Two different times, two different times every single year, Bill Gates separates himself for a full week. He gets away from technology. He gets away from his phone. He gets away from connections and all of these different things, all of the distractions. And he goes to a cabin, a rustic cabin in the woods in the Pacific Northwest. And he spends sometimes up to 18 hours a day reading, thinking, sketching out ideas that are coming into his head in the quiet and in the solitude. He is re-energized from the inside out. And crazy enough, those things that begin inside begin to come out and change the world. See, here's what we know. We know that way back in the 1990s, Bill Gates went out to that cabin and spent time in solitude and quiet, working, not resting, but working at deep work. And he decided, I need something that would go along with the things that are going on the internet. And from that session that he had in the 1990s, he created a little program called Internet Explorer. How many of you have ever used Internet Explorer, right? How does that come about? It doesn't come about because you're answering an email every two minutes. It doesn't come about because you're distracted by something that's entertaining, but like popping candy and pez in your mouth all the time. It's not the sugar rush of the immediate. It is the deep work of a quieted spirit where you be still and you know that God loves you and that he has a deeper life for you. But do not chain yourself to those things which feel good in the moment and provide empty calories for your soul. Instead, we want to put Jesus at the very center of our world, of our life, of our worldview, and of our mindset each and every day. I ask uh, Tori and Naeem to sing a song just to drive this point home. I thought it fit perfectly in my mind, and hopefully it will speak to you as well.
Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. I hope and pray that this coming week you make Jesus the center of your world and that he uh, is allowed to refresh you and restore you and strengthen you in the inner man, just like it says in Ephesians chapter 3. May God bless you, and uh, I hope you'll stay safe and be uh, out there in this world uh, making a difference and changing your world uh, for his good. And So we're going to end the way that we always do. Uh, we've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. You guys take care. Be careful. We love you guys. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.